welcome you once again to our John A. Widso podcast on the New Testament. I'm uh, thankful to be joined by my good friend, Craig Blomberg, formerly of uh, Denver Seminary. Craig, nice to have you back. Glad you had me back. Did you bring some thinking with you this time? Um, this time? Well, <laughs> no more so than last time. <laughs> Today we're going to do Matthew chapters, uh, chapter 24. Um, probably, wouldn't you say, probably one of the better known chapters in the New Testament in the sense that people give a great deal of attention to this chapter, whether it's in the Latter-day Saint or an evangelical home or classroom, people are rather fascinated by the signs of the times. If you want to know if the end is coming soon, it's a fascinating text. It is. Well, let's begin. Um, Known as the Olivet Discourse, because it was on the Mount of Olives, the fifth uh, and last of the Savior's great discourses in Matthew, at least. Um, let's, let's begin by reading a few verses uh, here. Craig, uh, what, you have the NIV, the International Version? And I have a King James Version, so... Um, if you would, read the first three verses of chapter 24. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked? Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately to tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Okay, let's talk about that. Um, one stone upon another. Comment on that, if you will. What's the, what's the use, what's, what's the value of that expression? What is, what is he getting at there? Uh, total destruction. Uh, and of course, this is what happened in AD 70 when the Romans invaded in response to the Zealot Rebellion and utterly destroyed the temple, left the uh, retaining wall on one side, which is what Jews and tourists to this day can see, the, the Wailing mm -hmm. Wall or the Western Wall. But the Temple Mount um, was utterly demolished. The idea of one, I've I, I tried to picture it in my mind, there won't be one stone upon another, meaning it'll be so wiped out it's almost as if uh, you got to start from scratch if you're going to rebuild. If you if you visit ruins in the uh, Roman world, you can sometimes find the tiny bits of pillars left, and maybe there are two stones of one pillar and three stones of another, and don't even get that much. <laughs> okay, good. Um, the question: Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming? And of the end of and of the you you render at the end of the uh, age, uh, King James renders that end end of the world. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, as you know, and I'll bring this up in a few minutes. Uh, Latter Day Saints look at this chapter as having two components. That is, what's going to happen in seventy A.D. and what's going to happen uh, when at the time you come again in glory. Um, 
and it seems to me verse three sort of implies both time periods uh, yes. or or that they thought the end of the age would be at the time of, the, of a destruction. What do you see in that verse, Craig? Verse I three. think that uh, the disciples hearing such a momentous prediction could only have thought if our grand eighth wonder, the ancient world, as it was later called, can be so destroyed, it must be the end of the world as we know it. I don't think they thought they were asking two separate questions, but I agree entirely. Jesus goes on to separate the two, and he talks first about the destruction of the temple and right. then about his return. Um, and so they're asking about what lies essentially. I don't know that, like you said, I don't know that they realize what they're asking, but they're wanting to know what's going to happen within what, uh, 27 years or so, right? 30, 33, 34, is that about where we are? If if we date crucifixion to 30, then it's exactly 40 years from 37. 40 years. Okay. Um, I'll pick up with uh, verse 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And of course, later, and we'll we'll touch on it, it's brought up again false Christs and false prophets. I want to talk about the two time periods. Let's, what might they have what might Jesus have had in mind when he spoke of false prophets as pertaining to from 30 to 70? Right. Um, Christ wasn't yet uh, Jesus' last name as we've turned it into. Um, it, it meant Messiah, it meant one who claimed to be the the expected final greatest prophet of Judaism. And if we read Josephus, there were uh, half a dozen uh, such individuals that, that we even know their names, and that's just from his selective history. Uh, so uh, the danger is for us to think, oh, these have to be people that go around calling themselves Jesus. No, they just go around saying, I'm the liberator. I'm the one everybody's been looking for. It wasn't Jesus, it was me. And yeah, and they all they all led uh, rebellions of pretty small scales, and they all got wiped out. I was I was in fact, I'm glad you mentioned. I was browsing a little bit that I remembered about Josephus. Um, this first one is from um, Antiquities of the Jews. A certain imposter named Thutis persuaded the majority of the masses to take up their possessions and to follow him to the Jordan River. He stated that he was a prophet, and that his command, the river, would be parted and would provide them an easy passage. With this talk, he deceived many. Thetis, the procurator, simply cut his head off, <laughs> slew many of his followers, and took many prisoners. That's dramatizing what happened. Then from the uh, Jewish wars, Josephus, what more than all else incited them to the war was an ambiguous oracle. Likewise, found in their sacred scriptures to the effect that at that time, one from their country would become ruler of the world. This they understood to mean someone of their own race, and many of their own wise men went astray in their interpretation of it. And it seems to me, too, uh, Craig, and maybe it's implied by what I've just read and we've said, it seems to me some of the false prophets, if you will, were saying, you need to stay right here. You need to stay where you are. This is, let's near the temple, stay near the temple, we'll be protected. 
when in fact Jesus is going to be saying to them, go to another place. You know. <laughs> Time to flee to the mountains because the temple's about to be burned down. That's right. So um, now let me ask you this, uh, Craig. If you were t if you were preaching in a congregation today, and, and let's suppose you'd been asked to speak about false Christ and false prophets, what might evangelicals be thinking of? What would you be thinking of about current times, false Christ, false prophets? It's interesting because um, we haven't had any uh, super recently. Um, certainly, as the build up to uh, the change of the millennium in two thousand and. Yeah everything associated with Y2K, there was a, a huge amount of, of fear and fear-mongering that this was portending the end. Yes. We did have a, a gentleman well into his 80s in 2011 named Harold Camping, who had been associated with Biola University many years earlier, who uh, made headlines by twice predicting the end of the world. Um, and as you might have noticed, we're still here. Yes. Um, but uh, it's it's about time for somebody else because uh, when you you look throughout uh, at least the history of the 19th and 20th centuries you you see somebody arising on about an every 10 year basis i mean go backwards from 2000 you had the the branch davidians and david Koresh in waco that uh, you go back further you had jim jones in guyana um these these are the most obvious cases what was the name of the, the group Heaven's Gate in California where a whole bunch of people killed themselves? Mm -hmm. um, so, so we don't lack for examples. I, yeah. I'm glad I can't give you a 2023 example, but <laughs> it could be around the corner. <laughs> you know, it seemed one other possibility to me is a false Christ might well be a false, a definitely false system of salvation, meaning a false system of how salvation is to come in some way other than through Christ, uh, in in a broad sense. And, uh, and if you if if you uh, expand from small groups and, and individuals like that, uh, certainly when when ISIS was at its height, there were plenty of people thinking that uh, um, one of these Islamic people, uh, Osama bin Laden, before. The U.S. forces took him out. Um, right. A former student of mine was probably feeling better a couple of years ago than now, but uh, made an interesting argument for Putin. Well, hopefully we'll show that he's not the one and get rid of him in some other way. But uh, the whole fascination with Russia going right back to the Soviet Union. Yes. As, as where some of this might come from was huge in evangelical circles. It's not a, it's not a very big thing in Latter-day Saint culture, but there are, there are, okay, I'll get calls every once in a while. Have you seen the video in which the guy does this, this, and this, and explains in great detail when this detail will happen, when this one, when this one took place, when that one took place, and I'll finally get around to watching it and saying to myself, oh, my gosh, um, it's just sometimes I find myself saying, how can we be so foolish? How yeah. can we be how can we be so, so uh, gullible? Um, 
But don't you, you think, Bob, that there's almost a, a human desire when, when the world seems so bleak to be able to say, I can read from current events that time is short. If we just hang in there a little bit longer, yeah, we might have to hang in there a lot longer. <laughs> there, are enough, there are enough things in Matthew 24 that we could say, yeah, that's already happened. Yeah, that's already happened. Yeah, agreed. And, uh, and if you feel like I feel a lot, I, my wife and I were talking about this the other day, and that is, as a kid, you wouldn't have caught me dead praying for the second coming. <laughs> the idea scared me to death. Today, I look around at our world, and uh, I feel like John the Revelator wanting to cry out, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Uh, so I'm eager for it. I don't anticipate it's going to be any time too soon. But uh, yeah, I can appreciate that. It's, it's when people go beyond the bounds of propriety or when they go beyond the bounds of sanity. I used to call it, like I would, I'm nicer now, I used to call it, we have occasionally some Mormon crazies. I don't call them that anymore. I call them Latter-day Saint crazies now. <laughs> and by that, I mean they, they lose all perspective. Yeah. Or they make this what used to be called, President Joseph F. Smith, our sixth president, used to talk about be careful of gospel hobbies your gospel hobby. Second coming is a real gospel hobby uh, among some Latter-day Saints. And so I think it's, um, you know, the Latter-day Saints are told, keep your eyes on the presidency of the church and on the leaders of the church and listen to what they're, and, and they're not making those kind of weird, you know, off, off the wall types of statements. It's interesting. Our millennials and Gen Z if you're doing a course in intro to theology, you have to convince them there's even a reason to talk about second coming, anything having to do with eschatology. They've heard the crazies across the culture. They know what my generation did. Uh, they don't want anything to do with it. He's like, study the end, stay away from me. <laughs> well, and, and in your culture, of course, some, how many years ago, 20, 25 years ago, the Left Behind series of books. Oh, yes. Huge. Wouldn't you love to have a book one, one sell like that sold? Absolutely. 15 or so volumes when they were done, movies. Um, and yes, they were honest enough to say, these are novels. This is fiction. And they were more honest even than Dan Brown with the Da Vinci Code. But <laughs> so many people still hung on it as if this was authoritative doctrine. But it does, it does highlight how fascinated with the second coming people are. Right. Let's move to, um, let's go to 24, chapter 24, verses 12 and 13 for now. Would you read those? Um, I will as soon as I get back into chapter 24. Uh, it's a good one. I don't know why I was looking at 25. <laughs> two pages stuck together. Um, verse 12, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Um, I think we can identify with verse 12 without any problems. Yep. Iniquity abounding. Uh, whether whether it's the number of people being killed by uh, uh, being killed with with weapons, guns, um, whatever, 
lots of it. And, and this idea of, you know, the King James language is because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Um, I think we can see that in our society without trying too hard. And that is the kinds of things that are happening that I would never have supposed. I think you would never have supposed when you were living in the late 50s, early 60s. Uh, it, it just you couldn't picture kind of that kind of thing. The uh, response in the evangelical church uh, politically during the pandemic uh, don't have to look outside our own walls. Uh, right. The way we attacked one another, I never imagined seeing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's go, if we will, now. Um, you read verse 13, endure to the end. But look at uh, look at 15. I think this is a verse that yes. we'd read and wonder what this is all about. From King James, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Um, what what your how does the NIV render that? So when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. I like that. I think that's cl that's clearer. Uh, the kinds of abomination that lead to desolation or cause desolation. Stand in the holy place. What do you think his reference there is? Uh, part of the temple, holy place, maybe even the holy of holies. Um, the intertestamental work known as First Maccabees believed that Daniel's prophecy was fulfilled when uh, Antiochus Epiphanes and his troops came in and uh, uh, desecrated the temple, sacrificed swine on the holy altar. And to to led, Zeus. Yes, 167 BC led to the Maccabean revolt. Three years later, the temple was purified. The horses were kicked out and Jews still celebrate that. It's called Hanukkah. But uh, apparently Jesus thought that wasn't all there was going to be to Daniel's prophecy. Um, certainly uh, what happened to the temple in AD 70 would have been a dramatic fulfillment of that. Yes. Does that exhaust all prophecy? Well, it depends on who you ask. Perhaps Antichrist will do something uh, in what for Christians is a very holy place. Uh, when he comes, time will tell. I've heard a lot of sermons uh, in our church uh, from church leaders that go something like this. There are a number of places that might be holy places. Uh, one, go to church. Two, um, we would say go to the temple. Three, make your home a holy place. Uh, so standing in holy places, um, to me, would be represent living in a condition, at least that you're seeking after holiness, standing in holy places. Um, we've, be, we've often looked to perhaps a, a Jewish person, uh, perhaps someone of a totally different religion, uh, back to the communist era, the Soviet leaders. I think, and what I've tried to say to students and, 
people in churches is it's more likely this is going to arise from ourselves, from our own midst. Yeah. And if the Antichrist deceives so many people, why does he? Because he sounds like one of us. And those those are the most dangerous people. That's right. That's exactly right. Good point. Um, let's go to one or two other things uh, and make sure we cover them. Um, at a certain point in the chapter 24, I'll tell you what I'd like us to look at. Uh, verse 26. Wherefore, they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. I mean, I think we would, Latter-day Saints would read that as, hey, um, when the Savior comes in glory, you're not going to have to uh, call Aunt Sarah and say, Sarah, did you, I don't know if you heard, but uh, Jesus uh, came <laughs> early this morning. Uh, right. People will know. Everyone will know. Is that the way you would see that? Absolutely. And and probably for the for the same reason, the, the ones who deceive you, the false Christ, are the ones that my aunt Sarah has to call me and say, I have just heard about this amazing new sect. Um, well, I haven't heard about it. Um, none <laughs> of my friends have heard about it. Um, yep. Not that kind of thing. 31. Why don't you read 31? In fact, yeah, 31. Read that one and we'll talk about it. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. What do you what do you see there? Um, this is the time of Christ's return. This is the time of the resurrection of the dead. This is the time when all believers who have died and have been with Christ in the company of the saints in heaven, but not yet received their resurrection body, along with all believers who are still on earth, who will be instantaneously transformed. Um, and then things start to get really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Look at 30. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. As you know, uh, Craig, uh, Mark makes it a little more specific, doesn't he? Um, neither the son. Right. In other words, nobody knows. Now, I want to talk about that for a minute. If Jesus is God, which he is, and if God knows all things, how could he not know when he's coming? Uh, now, maybe it has to do, too, the difference. It's possible, I suppose, at that point in time, he didn't know. But when I hear, you know, when you, the end of Matthew 28, all power in heaven and in earth is now given unto me, sounds to me like he's in a, in, in a godlike position. What, what think you? I could put my teacher's hat on and say, here are the three main views, or I could go straight to what I think is right. And I know our time is short. 
Jesus in the voluntarily adopted limitations of his incarnation was clearly not omnipresent. There were no two Jesus sightings in different cities on the same day at the same time. Yeah. And he was not omnipotent. He could do few miracles in Nazareth because of their unbelief. So it makes sense to say he was not omniscient except when it was his father's will to tap into that divine power. Here's sure. one of the things he's not omniscient in. Okay, good. Um, but some of us think we are and, and try to outdo him. Yes, that's <laughs> right. He may not know, but I know. That's right. Um, Greg, what's the value you see for people in general to spend time with Matthew 24 without becoming, um, getting out of balance spiritually? What, what's the, how, how can people benefit the, the most by, by Matthew 24? History is going somewhere. Uh, we don't have to worry about whether we end with a whimper or a bang. Um, we can know that God is sovereign and in charge and that Jesus will return and this will usher in judgment day and all the wrongs of history will be righted. And uh, as I heard Adele Yarbrough Collins put it many years ago, uh, uh, summarizing the book of Revelation in two words, Jesus wins. We want to be on his side, so we're on the winning side. Yeah. You know, this final thought I have is this. Um, I sincerely believe that people that are striving to, to stay close to the Lord, to keep the spirit of the Lord with them, to, to be the kinds of folks that uh, the Lord would be pleased to spend time with, I, I sincerely believe that while they may not know the day or the hour, I think there's a reason to believe they may well know the season or or at least sense, having studied the signs of the time, sense some things. I'm thinking of this, and you can you can, I think, appreciate this. I'm thinking of Paul writing to the Thessalonians. And when the analogy he uses is an interesting one, it's a, a very pregnant woman. Mm. You might picture someone walking up to her and saying, Hey, when are you gonna have that baby anyway? Try to imagine her saying, oh, I don't know. It could be tomorrow. It could be next year, maybe five years from now. I'm not quite sure. No, you know what she's going to say? Soon. I can tell you that. And you say, well, how do you know that? The signs in my body tell me it's soon. And I think there's a great, in other words, the th we need not be uh, so out of it that we don't, that we become like not able to pick up the thief in the night. I think I think that people who are striving to stay close to Christ and striving to become more Christ-like will begin sensing the time in general, not in an extraordinary, not in a out-of-control way, but in a way of uh, it's coming. It's we're not far from there, and and I think he will come as a thief in the night to the world and to worldly people. That's right. Does that makes sense. That's right. Yeah. You don't have to to be one who's caught by surprise. It's it's fascinating to study church history, 
and to see people with those identical sentiments in almost every century of church history. And so that's where um, the end is closer now than when we first believed. You can almost ridicule that statement as, well, of course it is because two more hours have gone by. Um, <laughs> and yet I suspect that when we look back, we will say, yes, people did at lots of key junctures have this sense that it was soon and it kept getting sooner. And finally it was upon them. <laughs> well said. Well, thank you, Craig. We'll end this segment and say that next time when we're together, we'll talk about Matthew 25, uh, the parables associated with being prepared properly. Thanks for being with us. <laughs>